Worth, if you can hear my voice, you have arrived at another episode of Breakfast with Brent Pope. I am your host, Brent Pope, and my guest today is Scott Reif. And let me tell you, this dude has been around the block, starting out as an actor and a model, but now a very accomplished hairstylist. And you know, people love to spill the tea when they're getting their hair cut. And he has cut and styled some very famous Hollywood hair. And he will also be shearing my hair in real time while we do this show. That's not true. But here's what is true. We had a very French breakfast at Laurent Cafe in Culver City. So let's cut to the chase because we have Scott Reif today on Breakfast. Pick it up. Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Breakfast. This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. I could go on a Hallmark card. <laughs> My uh, guest today. Oh, I'm going to need to hear all about that. I didn't need any extra sausage. He adds character to my crew. <laughs> Is a goat pit a real thing? What? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food, too. I'm always playing blue-collar guys. Breakfast. Somebody screw through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. I love a crawler. All yeah. my uncles got the gout. Jalapeno slash cheddar waffles. Who doesn't love that? It's Breakfast time. Breakfast. The only show where bacon, pancakes, Hollywood. I'm your host, Brent Pope. Scott Reif, welcome to the studio. Glad to be here, boss. Let me ask you this, because being a hairstylist, styling hair, cutting hair, it is definitely something that everyone has to have done in Hollywood and in life. But in Hollywood especially, you know, the, the hair is, is, sometimes can be the moneymaker, right? Oh, yeah. How did you get into this? Was this something that you always wanted to do? Or is this something that something happened where you're like, you know what? I really want to cut people's hair and and why? You know, that's a, that's a loaded question, because as a kid, as a even back from kindergarten, preschool, third grade, all the way up to high school, Fidgety Scott, Ants in the Pants Scott, would notice people's hair, whether it was in school, whether it was in sports. I always saw the texture, the curl, the wave, the bump, the the patterns. I guess you could say it was more or less a, a calling as of later. The big incident was when I was 14, my friends and I, who uh, <clears throat> at the time were long hairs, you know, everybody was like kind of hash, we're all hash and dude, rockers. There was like a little group of guys that were, I guess you could say more or less edgy and punks. We went for uh, some, I guess we had a few drinks on the side yard of my buddy's house. And I was just like, you know what, do you want to do it? I was like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. And so we were drinking, I think, old Milwaukee Light. <laughs> nice. And my buddy's like, well, dude, we're Let's set the scene here. We got some old mud light. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was like, you know, you're 14. It was This was 1990. And originally I'm from South Orange County, you know, beautiful place. And uh, these dudes, well, my buddy goes in and grabs his mom's Epilady, which is like, you know, in those days, it was the number one leg shaver or some shit. <laughs> and so they gave my buddy Kai, who uh, and my other buddy Mark were heckling me and laughing me and doing this shaved bit on my head. And it just terrible. It was all chewed up with divots and holes and uneven. I mean, it's a leg shaver, so it's not going to be anything. Not super. meant to cut no. whole heads in men's no. hair. And yeah. so like I went home on my beach cruiser, get home. And I guess it was a little later. My parents were both eating. And my sister, who was, you know, she's quite a bit younger. She was playing in a room. I come in through the garage. Long story short, the wind is sailing through my hair. I'm, re- I'm invigorated. I'm charged. I'm like, this is fucking radical. I mean, it was. It was a radical transformation for me. Anyways, and my mom looks at me and, you know, conservative old-fashioned kind of thing. She starts crying. What did you do to your hair? And my dad, oh, fuck, he called, I think he called me an asshole. He told me I was grounded and go straight to my room. And <laughs> that's what started the head uh, haircut experience for me. 
So it's an actual story. It's like an origin story that I would see like in a Marvel show, you know? Dude, it was liberating. It was groundbreaking because, you know, I, I was always into like the punk and the rock and, you know, hard shit. But I'd missed that. I was born on the ethers of the 70s, you know, mid-70s. And uh, that whole movement had already happened. So I kind of rehashed it and lived on it and took that liberation. And little did I know, I guess, yeah, to go into the further down the road type of thing, it became a career, a trade, a calling, if you will. And it's a supply and demand. Because if you think about it, everywhere you go, someone has hair, unless you're on an island with no people. But And it's not a job that can be done like <sighs> yeah. through Zoom. Right. It no has digital. to be. Imp- yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I... I <sighs> It was a it was a real blessing, and uh, so there's always going to be a need, yeah, for, for uh, people who cut hair, haircuts. You know what? I have a fascination with people who do cut hair because one, I feel like if you want to, and uh, this could happen many times in your life, where you just like, I just need a change. I need a different perspective on myself, how I view myself. Right. You know, I think one of the quickest ways to do that is you get a drastic new haircut, whatever that is, whatever that is, whatever, however you feel like you need to present yourself. And and it may not even work. You may do it and be like, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to grow it out and do something else. True. But is that something that excites you as like a hairstylist? That, since that was kind of a thing that got you interested in it, does that, does that interest it, you? Yeah, in? well, for sure. Here's the thing. Like, I don't know if you remember, but can you remember when you were a little kid and your mom would bring you to a barber shop, whether it was like an old school guy or like a, cla- you know, a classic type place or a chain or whatever. But I do remember remember those and me being self-conscious of my kind of spockish ears they're a little pointy but now I like them but at the time I didn't and you'd go to these old dudes who would charge like five bucks six bucks yeah. for a haircut and they would white wall meaning clip your ears high and tight and they would be sticking out and be butt white behind the ear and I'd just be like fuck I didn't like that you know and I would all right but then it, there was always that feeling of nostalgia like I could re- remember there was an old Italian guy named Giovanni that used to cut my hair and then when I started driving you know got a license I would go to these other places so I would go to these characters. I would go to like a, a surf guy and then, you know, I'd go to another town. There'd be like a 300 pound biker with like a little rat tail with a skull and crossbones tattoo on his head. And, you know, I'd come back and it'd be like, yeah, he's gone. He's where'd he go? I think he's not coming back. It's like he's in the jail, that kind of shit. So I'd always get, I would love these characters of these dudes. They're these guys that had a trade that were old Americana, you know, some of them are 60, some of them are 40 or whatever, but I can still think about like those days of like five dollar, nine dollar haircuts. How the fuck did they make a living? Is the question. I guess they did a lot of hair. To be There's honest. just so many, and they go in and out, and they and also I think like you were saying, there was a little bit of cookie cutterness to them where they yeah. were they were doing a certain style that they could do in like three minutes. Or, right. Well, you know. so, yeah. Not to take from barbers because they kind of started it all, but I think customizing a haircut is what I was really good at. So I never really truly liked the extra faded, extra high and tight and polished in those days because I just, it wasn't me. I liked it a little bit more lived in or half done or three quarter done. So I was like, why can't, when the barber was cutting my hair and he's blasting you with water, shh, shh, you know, you're like, okay, okay. But they would never stop uh, where I wanted, obviously, because I wasn't the artist and the cutter. But yet when you were done, you just look squeaky clean, third grade. Hey, what's up? I'm Skippy. And well, yeah. I never, I never liked that look. So nowadays, I guess, long story short, I keep it where it's like, hey man, if you want to do that, I'll do that. But I gravitate towards a, a tailored look where you didn't just get a haircut so much, right? Yeah. I do love that because I, you know, I get my haircut. I've been getting my haircut 
by you for a while. Hell yeah. And the reason I didn't before that was because I didn't have hair for like, I mean, I shaved, <laughs> I clipped my own hair intentionally or paid somebody $5 to clip my hair Save a few dollars. for like 15. And it was, it was super easy. Uh-huh. But now that I have hair again, I can't risk having my hair like, I don't know, come you're out a little janky. Due, you're due right now. But... No, no, no. I, I just saw you like two weeks ago. Ah, come on. No, you know Take what? That Look, based on the way you cut people's hair, yeah. you can't tell if I need a haircut or not, Scott. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he called me out. No, no. But but I, the, you know, the thing is, is if like, if okay, yeah. guys and girls, especially Vanity City, LA, you know, the hustle, the look, it's defining who people are. Like it's a staple. It's moving art for the people on their living art, right? Like art is life, life is art. But when you look at a hairdo, I've homed in so hard, like hypersensitive to a male uh, look or a female look where I can tell like how many times you get a haircut a year, almost like, you know, not necessarily, but if you're using conditioner, do you own a comb? Like I can just read you like a map. And so I've had this sort of, I don't want to say it's a gift, but I have a knack for really customizing someone's uh, vibe or look. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you bring your own ideas into it and say like, how, how do you think about this? Because me as a guy, when I get my haircut, I feel like I know nothing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, you're true. It's true. A lot, a lot of guys do. They don't know. Shit. Come on. So I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? I'm going to, you're the expert. What, and one thing I really like, and I, I didn't really notice it until you huh. said it, but people, when I go back, I get a haircut. I don't go home and they're like, oh, you got a haircut. Right. They don't really notice. Well, that's, And I like that because uh, when I just got a haircut, it's too, too something. Like and I also got off the third grade bus. Yeah. I don't want anyone <laughs> to, yeah, that's just not a question I'm interested in answering. Like, did you just get a haircut? Yeah. It's, but yeah, it's corny. I know. Yeah. And well, so here's the thing. Like when I started doing my own hair, I was 14. You know, I did the same thing. Shaved my head for a million years and then not a million, but you know what I mean? Like five, six years. And then I actually grew my hair back out. But I do remember the time where I, I got an assistant job working for these these old school heavyweight hairstylists that had like, you know, fat clients on Melrose Place at the time. And I had a good head of hair and I still have a good hair. Thank God. Knock on something. No, you your hair is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, man. Um <laughs> No, no, really. It's like this story was where I shaved my head. And when I used to act, I used to model, I was up for a big, I think it was Miller Lite. And I clipped my hair off and, you know, I got a call back and they're like, is Scott here? And I'm literally like standing next to the casting girl. (laughs) I'm like, I'm right here. And she's like, what did you do? And the same thing was when I, you know, worked for this high profile salon and, uh, assisting in the boss. He, dude, he was ruthless. Like he was one of those guys, a little Napoleon who made every assistant cry, but mean, he had a mean streak and he read me the riot act. Like you fucking, what are you doing? Shaving your head, working, you know, West Hollywood, you're great looking, da, da, da. And you know, everything but beat me down. And I, <laughs> I still remember. And I was like, damn, that pow- that's powerful. That shaved head was really powerful. It's taken me a long way off of a, of a clipper cut in the side yard to getting reactions from dudes even in, you know, that have been in the game for 30 years. And yeah. I still look at it as like, it's one of my favorite, even though it's not really a cut, it is a clean cut. Mohawks, pompadours, even dreadlocks. I'm not saying I want them, but they're, I've had I've known some friends that had like 10-year dreadlocks. Like I, I like abstract. I like, you know, funky, cool. It's hard when you want to work on like Melrose or Rock and Roll Sunset, that kind of vibe. And then you're like, hey, I've got a tech dude or oh, I've got like a little kid and or that kind of thing. So it's it was always me wanting to be a hair, reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Choppy Larry, da 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 But then the reality was, it's like, dude, people don't want, uh, unless they're really trying to get a huge change, is they, you know, girls minimum snippet. 
And guys were, you know, it, it working in LA anyways, it was the models and actors. It's like you had to keep it really in the box and fresh, but not, you know, not super cutting edge. So I, I found my niche somewhere in between, I guess you could say. But yeah, hair itself is an entity or an organism where, you know, even if you have hat head or or uh, whatever the word is, where your hair is not behaving, sometimes you I look at like a dude's hair. I'm like, oh, that guy's got like 16 cowlicks or yeah, <laughs> I just scope it all out, and I know you know instantly it's a roadmap what it needs to do, what what we need to do to get to deal and to handle right. Now, when somebody comes in f- for a haircut, and let's say it's the first time they've come in right. to get their haircut with you, I don't know the answer to this. Are you supposed to come in with your hair styled the way you normally style it? Product in the hair? No product in the hair? Because for me, I would I would think like, well, they probably want somebody's clean hair, but then my hair when it's just been washed is super poofy and can't you right. can't do anything with it. So a springy Filipino. What? Now. Yeah. What do you? What is it from your perspective? Like, that's what's a, the best way to come in? That's the thing, because I think, you know, when you look at traditional salons or barbershops, this is one of those things where it's like a seesaw. You could go either way with it. I like cutting hair dry, but if you have cake batter, you know, tons of shit in your hair, yeah. that's not going to work. Okay. But if you're scissoring, nor, like a nice set of shears, you don't want to jack them up with a bunch of gunk, you know, products and bacteria builds up on the blades and they start to get dull. Initially, you're supposed to wash and, you know, massage. And, you know, that's part of the selling of the retail. At least yeah. I, I was trained in that kind of method. Right. But for to answer your question, when you have, to me, when I say, you know, come to me with no ponytails, no hat head, like that shit drives me crazy because it's all squished and you got to... Because then you got to... So how do you get rid of the hat head when you... Do you have you to know, like make I, it wet or something or can you yeah, not do anything you have to it? reset the hydrogen bonds with a little squirt or two of, the, of water or I comb the shit out of it, make it behave, yeah, so we can get this look. Or nowadays, everybody has a photo, like who, who doesn't have a phone, but everybody's, you know, showcasing supermodels and actors and this and that. And like, you know, this guy and this ad. And half the time, those people don't even have that hair. So I'm like, dude, I'm not a magician, but yeah, okay, we can <laughs> we can get close to that. Or I was thinking more something like this. And I, I call it softening the blow where I'm not knocking you out with a no. Like I sometimes find myself a unicorn in a balloon shop going, boink, boink. <laughs> Boink. Like, you're not even <laughs> halfway there, guy or girl. So my job in the service business is to allow them to live that or want that. But yeah, the reality is, is how how can I attain this or get something close to that? Or straight up, I'll be like firm and I'll, I'll be... <laughs> Pimp hand strong and be like, dude, this isn't this isn't cool. We're not going to do this. We're not going to cut bangs on like 99% of the girls that think they want bangs. They really, really, truly need want bangs because if you cut a girl's long hair, she will flip the fuck out like in a yeah. week, in a month. I've had ladies look me in the eye like, yeah, I want to cut it all off. And then like a, two weeks later, they're like, I want extensions. Like you were right. So yeah, I guess it, it all depends on the curl. You know, if you're dealing with super curly hair, straight hair, whatever origin you are makeup wise. I personally like dry cutting. Dry hair cutting is how I gauge where if you wet hair, it's coily. You know, imagine like yeah. a poodle curl and then a semi-loose curl. If you start spraying that, the coil starts to, you know, inches are being cut, but even more inches than you think. And then you're like, dude, what'd you do to my hair? And when you have broccoli hair, thick, curly, fat, bulbous hair, you that hair doesn't even get long. So you need the length to, you can't just start snipping it like a, it's going to jack everything up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know, you know, being in the Hollywood area, mm. you just simply can't be as good at cutting hair as you and not have run into and worked in a lot of, and I know you've worked in everything from like the, the shops on the street to <laughs> different types of shops, right? Yes. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, uh, yeah. What the, what the difference is in all these different shops and what you like or didn't like about those types of shops. Uh-huh. But I know you've you've 
either styled or washed hair or cut the hair of like some really big names or just like rubbed elbows in different places. I mean, oh, yeah. and I'm trying to, I'll, I'll mention to a couple of people, like you had mentioned, like you had been in the same space, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm. uh, maybe like Colin Farrell, who I think Colin Farrell, his hair is outstanding. Thick Irish hair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there was there was a several times where I was a starstruck, idolstruck, um, but you don't want to play that card or that vibe because they hear that all day. And, you know, each uh, salon or what have you, barbershop, I've done both, even though I'm a stylist, I have worked at a few barbershops. And it's an interesting story because they're just people too. Like, you know, you're, yeah. you're chatting just like how we are. But a lot of these dudes are so used to being catered to or like I've even cut like Saudi princes and uh-huh. they're just entitled. They don't even know how to show up on time. You know, don't get me started on that. But there's a lot of uh, people I have either cut, washed, uh, walked their dog. <laughs> you know, walked as, their dog? As an assistant. Yeah, you're scrub. So okay. you go through those those little ranks, you know, when you're coming up and you're breaking through. Nobody's just like handing you, even though <laughs> I was sort of lucky. I, I did have one guy who was in the limelight and with the biggest starlet in the, in the game. Like that was literally my first client, but that's not how I uh, built my my bones, right. so to speak. But I did have that kind of scenario. Maybe I should have played my cards different and rode those coattails. Ridden, rode And obviously, we would all like to know all the names of all these people. But no, sometimes I, Scott and me and myself, sometimes we'll tell stories. And we just simply cannot use the name because just, an it's enemy, just, yeah. yeah, we just don't want to make an enemy or we might still have work relationship with these people and it just may not be able to be done. But you'll have to use your imagination sometimes, you, guys. Well, yeah, you have but, imagination today. But I know you did style, I know you did style a Lee Majors hair, the $6 million man. That was all time. I mean, you know, it was funny because he was already kind of past his prime and I, dude, I used to worship watching those shows that he had on TV as a, as a kid and he was the man, right? Yeah. So when I met him, it was out here in Glendale. I think it was on like an indie shoot and everybody's like, oh, like, you know, behind the grips and the all those dudes are like, oh, yeah, he's old, man. He's not going to yeah. remember his shit. But I'm telling you right now, I'm like, nah, don't talk about him like that. Like I'm defensive. And I got to, you know, I sprayed his hair, put some hairspray, combed it, said, hi, nice to meet you. But there was no like, oh, I love you. I worship you. You know, I watch you. And I didn't do that. That's not professional. Well, for us, Lee Majors, so, yeah. that's like our childhood, right? Yeah. Six million dollar man. You're growing, the fall guy. Yeah. Come on, man. Which like, I don't know if you guys seen the fall guy. It was about a stunt man. I don't know if there's been many shows about a stunt man. I think he solved crimes on the show, though, right? The fall uh, guy. It was, it was the man's man. And he and had... I, didn't he sing the theme song? <laughs> I think he did. Yeah. It was like, I don't like kiss and tell, but I've been seen with Farah. I've never been seen with anything less than a nine. So fine. Yeah. Oh, such a great. I just remember him climbing up on that train and hanging yeah. on the bar, you know, the overhang bar. Right. But there was so many instances where I, gra- you know, you gravitate towards people. Like you you pick up their energy and hair, it, it is a synergy, mm-hmm. whether it's a salon, an ecosystem where you're vibing or you're just at a little, you know, low key, relaxed one, what have you. But there were times where like I met. I can say his name, but he passed, but he was a cool dude, Taylor Negron. Oh, Taylor Negron, comedian, great actor. One of his parts I remember the most was from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. The the one. He's the guy that delivers the pizza to Mr. Hand's class. He's like, Mr. Pizza Guy. Right, (laughs) Mr. Hond. I mean, Sean Penn I never met, but yeah, there was times where uh, I would go, you know, some of these dudes I would actually end up going to their house and became friends with. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, we'd have a drink or, you know, not, not to the extent where we're like, chummy super buddy but like some of these exchanges where you talk it's a little cathartic for them because you know that you're in their dome you're in their house in their head talking and then that that also happened a lot of times where I would do hotel calls you know I was like on speed dial at some of these four or five star hotels up on sunset because I lived you know at the time in West Hollywood or Beverly Hills and I'd go to these really nice hotels and whatever event would be coming up or out or that that night that day whatever 
and they needed you quickly. So it's almost like you got to drop everything to get there, show up, suit it up, you know, all in black, professional. And, you know, you don't know who's going to open the door. You don't know how many people are in there. But that's a story. Like, like That's a book in itself. All the times I did these hotels, so to speak, where like guys opening the door just had sex. <laughs> what the fuck? Reeking of sex in the room, guys blowing, <laughs> you know, blowing weed in your face. Yeah, guys eating, you know, like kings and caviar. And then sometimes these ladies, you know, these these ladies were, you know, whether they're an author or a starlet or a list. I mean, there was the the who's who or not. Just somebody that has a lot of money that's just looking to get their nice hair done. But this is way before the blow dry bars. And then as they started popping up, I guess the blow dry bars kind of siphoned that. But there were some interesting tales where I'd show up or maybe they wouldn't even be there and they'd be like, oh, the client's not there. You know, sometimes it was on my my dime where I had to wait where I got hired from the concierge or there was another time where I worked for this lady who to me was like a second class hooker. She, she would just have you wait for 30 minutes or an hour and be like, stay there. You know, like, what the fuck? I'm trying to, I got other stuff to do, right? I want to, you know, I'm going to sit here for two and a half hours for like 150, 200 bucks. But I got burned. I mean, the worst one was I showed up at 7 a.m. at Wilshire Corridor, Westwood here. I get there and it's all approved. And, you know, this woman answers the door at 7 a.m. And I mean, mind you, you know, you park your car, you're looking good, you're ready to go. And you get up to the room and, you know, knock, knock. Yes. And I'm like, hi, I'm here to do your hair. I'm Scott. And, uh, oh, no, I, I requested a, a female, I, you know, for my religious, uh, I can't, you know, I can't do this. And I'm like fuming, like, what? Like this, I'm not, this is not happening right now. You know, getting fired up. Like you're yeah. telling me, I, I busted my ass to get here and you're turning me down because I'm a dude and you're not comfortable. No one told me that. <laughs> yeah. But shit like that would happen. And I would, oh man, there was days where I finally, I got so pissed off because there was times where like that shit would go down or I'd go save somebody for, you know, like an American Idol last minute haircut, or I'd go do like a Craig Ferguson guest haircut. And if you're not the top of the food chain, because, you know, mind you, I'm just building up my skills, my reputation, but you're an assistant. So you're like not the main key or the lead. And whether those, there's still people out there that owe me money. And I know what you look like too, right? So <laughs> mess you up. There was times where I was like, man, I just had to fucking wait six months to get paid or never got paid or nine months. Like, you know, it's just some dude, big guy out of New York. And, you know, where's my money? Nine months, this fucker got paid already. You know, where's my money? And so you have to chase these checks and hound people. And it's like, you know what, dude, I'm, I'm not doing this. I, I got to let people come to me. I'm not going to be out there and chase the audition, so to speak, mentality, like chase my paycheck mentality. I've been doing this a while now. Everybody's got to come to me. Or if I know you, you have money. I don't have to play detective. It's a lot of times it would just, it would just you just get burned. And, you know, that sucks. Is it a job where, depending on, like, like, I'll give you two people that are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum sure. and tell me if it's kind of the same job or if it's vastly different on how you have to approach it in different ways. Like, you, I know you uh, did something with, like, Faye Dunaway, where you used to wash. Legendary, I guess, Faye Dunaway, you used to wash your hair. But then you also cut Nick Carter from Backstreet, Backstreet Boys, Boys yeah. hair. Mm -hmm. um, vastly different things to do? Well, yeah. One, one was obviously a legendary female with lots of hair and extension, so to speak. So that can get snaggy and tangled. And if you're washing that in the bowl, it turns... And you wash... I don't know how this works. If you have extensions, you wash the extensions uh, too? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's different types of extensions and okay. systems, what have you. I, I dabbled in that. And I and just for the record, I don't do color because I am colorblind and <laughs> you, oh. don't, you don't want me doing your color. Yeah, so you were saying her hair extensions, very long uh, female hair. And then as opposed to Nick Carter, you're dealing with the whole boy band thing. Yeah. Now, well, uh, let me ask you this. When you're cutting Nick Carter's hair... Hmm. Because I, I could imagine it being like one of those things where like, oh, their manager has to be there to kind of approve what you're cutting. Does it? Did that ever happen where you you have to like run it through not only client, but their like reps or well, whoever? 
This one, again, was early on when I was at that same salon uh, on Melrose Place, which is no longer there, which is next to a really nice restaurant, um, Bastide, which is a French restaurant. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I remember I'd always go out on these Pepsi auditions. Yeah. Joe Pico was part owner, but those dudes would blow through. They'd come through and spend like, you know, 30, 40, 50 grand. I, I would hear from the chef and the guys yeah. that worked there. But Nick Carter was looking for Paris, and there was two salons. And I was on the south side, and the other salon was on the north side, which was a little bit more, I guess, quite a bit more celebrity-oriented. And he couldn't find it because, you know, at that time, Melrose Place was furniture and really low-key. And so my place was low-key. There's no sign on the door, nothing. And he walks in, and he's like, I think he was like, Paris, or I need to get my hair done, too. And everybody was kind of closing, wrapping up. And I'm like, yeah, if I, I can do bleach. He wanted a hair. He wanted highlight and a cut. And that's like, yeah, man, I, I can do highlight. I can do blonde. You already got blonde hair. So it was a little bit of a, of a bummer because I cut this dude's hair. Not a bummer that I cut his dude's hair. I was excited. It's like, this is one of my first, literally my first LA clients. I wasn't even on the floor. I didn't have a chair. I was assisting three guys. It was like slave labor, you know, <laughs> scrubbing heads, so to speak. Yeah. And I cut this dude's hair. I gave him lines in his hair. You know, give him like a faux hawk, dyed it, you know, bleached it, blah, blah, blah. It turned out he loved it. You know, it paid me. I still have the receipt. I think I kept it. It was mm. like 225 or something like that. And to compare, like he walked out stoked. And then I'm like, no, dude, the other salon, you know, Paris is over there in that other salon. Go find her. And then that shit was all over the tabloids. I was like, oh, man. My, but I didn't get any credit. He took off the Sweden. And then I guess someone had replicated a stylist had done kind of what I'd done. And then he got all the limelight from that or maybe the aftermath from that. But yeah, to answer your question where I was assisting another guy who's the A-list cat, I came up under this gentleman, this stylist who's pretty, you know, he's really well known. Um, I worked for him. And when he says jump, you know, you say how high and yeah, and repack your bag and wash all these people, walk the dog, whatever it takes, you you got to play the part. And he had, you know, he'd had a lot of assistance. But so Faye was obviously a little older and she came in, super nice. But you get the heads up, you get the warning. This is one you can't, you know, you can't mess this up, dude. Like, don't pull her hair with the comb and snag it and tangle it. So when you're washing extensions, they want to tend to lock up. And you have to be real good about the detangling, you know, comb the hair gently. And it's it's like tippy-toe, but yeah. babysitting a little bit. But yeah, I was good at schmoozing because I'd already done that. And sometimes it's like silence, ninja, don't talk. Like, they don't want to chit-chat. Other times they're like, oh, you're so-and-so's assistant. Like, how, you know what and then there was other times like they, the stylist would get pissed, gay, flamboyant, over the top, big talker. You would steal their thunder if <laughs> if they found out that if the ladies found out you were straight. You know, there's a few of us, a handful of us that do hair that are straight, and I'm sure there's even more now. But in those days, in like you know mid 2000s, early 2000s, yeah. it was kind of like I was thrusted into that environment where I was already used to being around tons of whatever type of people just because I worked on you know as a model and an actor, and it's like shit. Yeah, there's right. a handful of straight dudes too in that, so. Yeah. Before we go any further, we had a delightful breakfast. Yes, we did. Cafe Laurent in Laurent. Uh, could not be more French in Culver City, which could not be less French, Culver City. But <laughs> true. <laughs> we went on your recommendation. It was a great recommendation. You had the eggs Benedict for sure with the right? turkey. Yeah, you had a choice of the different meats. You had the turkey. Obviously, it usually comes with some poached eggs. There was some eggs in there with some okay. hollandaise. Yeah, and uh, and I know like we had talked about. Sometimes you have to go to a place and see if you like the hollandaise there before you know yeah. if you want the hollandaise. Well, it's a, it's a, I'm not like a, an aficionado with hollandaise, but I know some sauces or the creams and the way that they mix. There's a lot of little tiny ingredients in there to to make it pop. And sometimes I just feel like I have a lump in my stomach or the aftertaste isn't right. But these guys, they seem to do it. Yeah. You had the, let's see, potatoes gratin on the side also. 
Or do you have like a, you had some kind of there salad. Were, there was potatoes with like a yeah. mixed salad. Yeah. It was okay. Good. It was really yeah. tasty, well, fresh. Very, yeah, very good. I mean, you enjoyed your uh, Benedict? Oh, absolutely. And you had. I'm I had the, it was called the crepe That's right. shrimp ocean, shrimp. Mm-hmm. which was a savory crepe. I mean, you can get it sometimes where it's like a dessert type thing. A savory crepe, the fancier cousin of the pancake. That's what I call the crepe, but it's uh, usually thinner and with stuff in it. Excellent. Mielo. That's the technical definition that I got from the dictionary of a crepe. Anyway, the crepe shrimp ocean, it was about a half dozen giant shrimp. I mean, these were big shrimp, right? Right. Like about as big as, I'd say about as big as my pinky finger, these shrimp were, each one. And maybe thicker than my pinky finger. I have a skinny pinky finger. Uh, Me too. We have something in common, man. Yeah, that's that's why we have our tribute ska band. Uh, We're going to pinky square after this. Skinny pinkies. Yeah. But also, saute, it was the shrimp is sautéed in garlic butter and yeah. kosher salt. So with the side of gratin potatoes, which mm-hmm. has a little cheese in it mm-hmm. and a nice side of fruit. And I had some black coffee. I think you had, you had coffee because you got there earlier than me. Yeah, my, my, I'll be dead to my, early to my funeral, I think. But I'm always early, man. That's, that's something yeah. I, I, I have a pet peeve <laughs> about people that show up late. So fuck yeah. you for late people. That's right. <laughs> Wait, is that for me? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I was stuck in traffic. You were in traffic. Well, you know, sometimes I'm, you know, we're not perfect. But no, there are people that definitely show up early all the time. I'm just saying, one of those. If we were in the valley, I would have been early, but I couldn't control like the traffic. Time, time is know. precious, Brent. I know. You have to prepare I know. early. I could say, I could make the same argument for like showing up just on time. Like if I'm early, I'm wasting time that I could have been doing something yeah. else. Anyway, comfort food. That's what I got from Cafe Laurent. Also, very peaceful setting. You know, I feel like I was sure. like, Without being in the Riviera, it's across from like a nice little park. Also, yeah. mm-hmm. it it just looks like a nice little cafe. the The service very nice, and it, it was really really good. I mean, I honestly, I think this is one of my favorite breakfast meals I've had. I mean, this has done seventy well, some different meals, killer, man. I, yeah. I made a good call then because I was really torn. The one place that I do gravitate and I do go with my crew, my family, is we go to Ingo's Tasty Diner. For those of you who don't know, Ingo's on on Wilshire. They're remodeling, but they closed with COVID. And uh, my my boy, James, the manager, he moved off, got another job in Colorado, took his family with him. But that place used to be called Callahan's. And that is a place to get drinks. That is a place to get food. They do a brunch. They do a jazz brunch there on Sundays. It's dope. But I don't know. It's not there. I mean, it's there, but yeah. it's not open. So. There's a lot of places like that. I mean, luckily, there's also like equally good places popping up all the time in LA, you know, like, uh, oh, yeah, it's which is crazy. There's always, I mean, that's one thing you have to love about the city of Los Angeles is there's no lack of types of food and good places popping up and also good places closing. You know, it's just like the cycle of the restaurant business, I guess. It's a tough business. And yeah. I agree with you, man. There's a never-ending supply of places to to get quick bites or even, you know, a, a nice fine place, fine dining. But there's a, there's a lot of places I still haven't tried that I yeah. want to try. Well, thank you for bringing me to Cafe Laurent. I'm definitely going to go back there. It's, uh, I got to, <laughs> I mean, I loved it. I really, really Take enjoyed lady, it. yeah. I will. Yeah, I think she would love it. And, you know, There's a reason that people love French cuisine. It's because it's so... Exquisite. It's exquisite. It's tasty. It's very filling. It's just all these things, you know, and the textures are good. And Well, thank you for going to breakfast with me. It was delightful. Before we get out of here, I need to get three quick recommendations from Scott Reif. What is the hidden gem show or movie that you watch that people may not know? It would be Banshee. Ooh, I haven't seen that. I heard it's good. It's really good. Yeah? Yeah. Is it British? No. uh Uh-uh. American? It's American. Okay, cool. All right, I'll check that out. What is the show or movie that you watch just for fun? I do. I gravitate towards Jeopardy and and uh, the the revamp of Press Your Luck. Oh, I like the revamp of Press Your Luck. Now, quick sidebar: Who would be your optimal uh, new Jeopardy host if you had to pick somebody? Oh, Anyone in the world? 
It's like he's etched in stone in there. You can't. I know. Trebek is just like, yeah. (laughs) Hologram of Trebek. I you know, you know hologram. Who be, you, know who, yeah. you know who would be good with um, who I used to cut the the manager's hair is uh, Will Ferrell would be good because <laughs> you can't take him serious and it's yeah. the total opposite of yeah yeah he'd have to have like the anchorman mustache I think yeah. to to do that <laughs> that'd be dope dude uh, what is the show or movie that inspires you wow the movie that really touched me was no pun intended the I think it's Intouchables not okay. the Untouchables not the Untouchables yeah yeah Intouchables which was obviously one of those movies that was. Uh, it had a little bit of everything. It had. I'm not aware of this. It had it all. What and, is it? And, 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 and then Brian Cranston Reed did it, yeah? Well, he was one of the main guys in it. Oh, okay. But so it's this guy who is, I don't know how to say it, if you can even say handicapped, but he was in a wheelchair. Yeah. He makes a bet with this dude that's street, you know, and kind of thug or whatever, that he can't take care of him for two weeks. And if he loses the bet, you know, I don't want to ruin it. It's one of those type yeah, of things. Yeah, that's the scenario? But yeah, so you break it down and then they become really good friends and he takes care of this guy and uh, it's touching and, you know, I cried. I'll, I'll fucking cry right now. But yeah, it was good. It was really <laughs> Now, you said you said you're going to mention me some show that you thought was better than Breaking Bad. Actually, no. Let's revamp. Okay. Re- rewind. It's probably second best Second best. So, Breaking Bad. To you, Breaking Bad is the greatest show of all time. If you're talking like drama, suspense, thriller. I mean, I'm like, I'm not saying it yes or no. I would, I, I, I think it's up there. Yeah, I think I, it's well, definitely I mean, a viable on, solution. We got, we got to go. If we're going to go there, it's like, okay, The Simpsons. Okay. Um, Cheers. Okay. Those were, that's a show I really liked as a kid. But you know, you can go into like Friends. But and, like for drama. Yeah, for drama, you're yeah, saying for, Breaking for Bad. That's for you. And okay. scary and so like what's the second? So what's the second best then? It would be Banshee. Oh, Banshee. So that's the one. That's the one. And and I like it because All it was, right. high, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a, I like kind of edgy shit, but. I like the show because it was hyper vigilant, hyper. It had everyone though. It, you had all types of characters in that. It was okay. like God, it was like a noir show. Yeah, but in a in a you had the Amish guys, you had the Native American guys, you had. You, I think there was a little splash of skinheads, and then you had you know Russian gangsters. It's fucking crazy, dude. Okay, I, I feel yeah. like I need to watch this oh, show it's, now, it's epic. and then I'll report back to you. It's epic. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Check it out, man. Well, thank you for those recommendations. I will uh, check all of those things out. Guys, if you would like to get more Brentfast stuff, such as pics of Scott Reif and I enjoying our Brentfast from Cafe Laurent, go to my website, brentpope.com. You can listen to all the Brentfast episodes there. You can see clips from all of my TV appearances in the official Brentfast store with a bunch of fun stuff. Shirts, mugs, stickers, masks. Scott Rife's signature solid gold clippers. It's all in there, guys. <laughs> People of Earth, do yourself a favor by picking up something from the Breakfast Store. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Breakfast. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Breakfast is being enjoyed all over the United States and in 52 total countries. The latest, the Czech Republic. So let's all do a Milos Forman marathon starting with uh, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest and maybe Amadeus and Man on the Moon. That should get us going. And trust me, my Breakfast Burrito Brigade, we are just getting started Special thanks to my brand spank me new editor, the one and only Carne Alada, for all the breakfast slicing and dicing. Much sabor. Big ups also to my studio engineer, Marco Leon, for making me sound so good. Scott Rife, what is next for you? And where can we find you on social media? Where can we get all the stuff that's Scott Rife related? Well, you know what? I, I recently started my own uh, hair products. I have one of your prototypes of the hair product. <laughs> I can't that, remember which one it was. I, I use it all the time. Yeah. I got it for free. I feel like I owe you money because I use it all the time. Dude. I love it. As of my birthday of last year, which I'm a September guy, I sold my first order of products and I worked on it all through the pandemic, trying to conquer a clay, you know, a men's hair clay and a surf spray, which is like a texturizing sea salt. And that gives you the, you know, the grip and 
the loose beachy, you know, boho chic look or whatever. You, you know, it's, it's also added as a pre-styler if you wanted to use it with the clay. But I've been ironing out all the kinks and, you know, it's a big kind of ordeal to really have your own brand. And I, you know, I trademark my name, which is all that stuff. So I got, I got an online website, Scott Rife Hair. And the two products are up. I'm going to be doing a new uh, photo shoot. I've got a new product look for the Tahiti. It's nice to have your own product and sell them online or in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. And you can offer something, let's say if somebody's in your chair and you're cutting their hair, mm-hmm. you can offer something that you kind of created yourself. You know how it works on different types of hair and all those type of things. It's not like you're offering somebody's product that you kind of know how it works, but you haven't tested it out on different things. Right. right? So I think that's a, an important thing to note is like you've Tested this stuff, and you you know how this works on everybody's hair. Good stuff. It's stronghold. It smells really good. Both of them have amazing scents. Check them out. Nice. And on social media, you're on Instagram, right? I have a few, yeah. So I have, for the products, it's Go With The Flow LLC. My personal one is Scott E. Rife. And recently, I just started another page, Scott Rife Hairstylist on IG. So hit me up on the gram. And yeah. look forward to even, hey, come and see me in the chair. I might even do my own podcast called Cherapy or Therapy or Therapy or something. Now, if they want to book uh, an appointment with you, how, how do they do that? They uh, just you find know, you reach on- out to me on, online or hit me up. You can, on the... On my website, you know, you can get in touch that way. There's a little contact page on there. So okay. I'm more than happy to, to chat with you. Excellent. Scott Rife, thank you so much. I found it very interesting to learn about this world that I am interested in, not enough to like do it myself, but I'm interested right. in it and I know nothing about it. And I'm always interested in stuff like that. And all the, your stories are just very cool to me. Thank you, sir. Yeah. No, it's, you know, hair, it's a living vibe, if you will. Hair is dead protein, keratin, whatever. But when you walk out of my shop, I just want you to feel good and look good. If you buy my products, hey man, that's icing on the cake. So, and also, Harris Dead Protein is also an anagram for Scott Rife and Brent Pope. If you put them together, and you mix them all around, it spells both of our names. Damn, uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Scott Rife, I'll see you in about three weeks, so I can keep my hair looking fresh, but not looking like I just got a haircut. Hey, I'll see you first, huh? And with that, we put another hair-raising episode of Breakfast Brent Pope in the old to-go bag. See you. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>